1: Mobilized by the secret masters, they are the Department of Nerdly Affairs. Hello, operatives, and welcome to the Department of Nerdly Affairs. I'm your host, Rob Patterson, here with my co-host, Don Chisholm. But before we start this podcast, answer me, have you seen this man? No, no, Don, I haven't. So please don't hurt me. (laughs) <laughs> and tonight we are going to be talking about mecha anime now earlier in the year we did a show on uh, mecha anime and we talked about giant robot shows from the real robot and the super robot perspective but we tonight want to talk about what makes a good mecha anime series you know what really makes it tick we want to get in there into the greasy grimy guts of the subject and to help us understand mecha anime even better we've enlisted an actual PhD of Mecha Anime. He graduated from Mecha University, folks. It's the man himself, Professor Otaku. Welcome to the show, Prof.
2: Thank you. Uh, I'll have you know I graduated from Miskatonic U. Thank you. <laughs> oh, sorry. I Some didn't see Coke that Pentacles. on your CV. <laughs> Ooh, cross genre. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. wow. <laughs> oh, man. I've been I've been making that joke for a long time. Uh, hi everyone my name is cj ireland and i go by the handle of professor otaku online i've been doing this for longer than some of you have been alive we have a pretty old
1: audience prof Mm -mm. oh well then some of
2: you are probably my age (laughs) Uh, quite possibly i've been running around doing the youtube thing for 10 years now almost and i can tell you some horror stories from the trenches about the blip purge and all that happy crap, Uh, but needless to say uh, I've been a mecha head for as long as I've been into anime, Gundam Wing was the first anime I watched end to end and I was just like, hey this giant robot stuff is cool, let's find out more about it oh that's Yaoi, hey let's find out more about it that's not that, oh cool (laughs) Um, (laughs) Gundam Wing has a large female fan base, (laughs) yes it Uh, does
1: yes it does, and and a large male fan base too, I mean it really took off back in the 90s
2: well, I I <laughs> I have long long speeches to talk about um why Gundam Wing was as successful as it was. Uh but yeah, no. Um I Welcome do the show, a bro. show called History <laughs> of Mecca and I have a show called uh Gundam Retrospective which are both currently in production and on hold. Thank you Patreon. Um uh, <laughs> and I yeah, I'm I'm the guy you go to when you want to talk about giant robots. I might not be as cool as some of the guys that talk about robots. I might not be as elderly as some of them either, but I like to think I know my stuff. Well,
1: we're going to find out tonight because okay. Don and I are both old mecha heads ourselves. So we're mm. definitely going to have a good time tonight. Good. Yeah, emphasis right. on the old. Yeah, emphasis <laughs> on the old. Um, yeah, my first mecha anime show would have been Voltron, actually.
2: Oh, okay. Back in- so you're you're extra old. <laughs> we are. Oh yes, yep. we
1: are. Um actually Voltron or Battle of the Planets/G-Force? I guess it depends whether you consider it a mecha anime. I guess not really because it doesn't can't I, I chat robots. Really so. consider that one. So, here's it's the borderline. kicker. Was
2: borderline. it Battle of the Planets or was it G-Force because those shows came out at two different times?
1: That's a very good question. The answer is Battle of the Planets. Yeah. Okay. So, I got to watch
2: or the one who was airing.
1: <laughs> airing.
2: Yeah. All right. We, well, w- how about we Star are Blazers? that old, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I li- you like that? Uh, you like that? Them Star Blazers there? <laughs>
1: I watched Star Blazers when it first yeah. ran, sir. Yeah. Uh, so That's good stuff. <laughs> oh, yo, no, it was good stuff back in the day. It really did. I saw yeah. Star Blazers, Matt Cross when it first aired, the whole routine. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We good. we were there for those events. The only way it could have been better is if we were actually in Japan. That would have been even more awesome. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. I I was. Um, so you know, Transformers the movie came out in 1986. Mm-hmm. I came out a month after.
3: <laughs> oh,
1: wow! So
2: I've okay. done I've done my diligence. I'm not quite as old, uh, but
3: I,
1: I was going to say I that. saw that in the theaters, sir, and yeah. I would yeah. uh, so and I was a teenager at that point. So so okay. kid, um... I'm in. <laughs> hey.
2: I'm, okay, so I'm in good company.
1: Oh, you Man, are. I don't
2: get to feel like the kid in the audience every, all that often.
1: Well, in this show, you are the kid because we are two old geeks who probably have almost a hundred years of geekly experience between the two of us, or we're getting damn close to it anyway. Yeah,
3: that's true.
2: Yowza.
1: Yeah, so anyway, so enough comparing our, the size of our birth certificates. All right, so <laughs> let's let's talk about mecha anime. So, yeah. Prof, tell us, hmm. what makes a good mecha anime?
2: Uh, the same thing that makes any good anime really. Um, now I'm gonna I'm gonna put my cards out on the table and say I'm more of a real robot fan mm-hmm. uh, than I am a super robot fan. I think mm-hmm. super robots have their place. I'm um, the five years old though. I don't really care for them that much, um, and I'm sure I just made a whole lot of people in the audience mad saying that. But. Um, what Don't makes worry, a good dogs anime? gonna deal with that
1: in a second. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh well what makes a good anime, right? Uh mm-hmm. strong characterization. Uh an interesting plot, though the plot doesn't have to be super good if your characters are good enough. Right. Um a, a central theme that is stuck to, like well, I'm trying to think of something recently that was really good. Uh and I'm just thinking to myself, Well, you know, that loop on the third show is really good. Mm. Uh but that's just a heist show every week, but um, you know, mm-hmm. the Megalobox was good because it had strong presentation and it had strong characters that you can resonate with. And you're like, OK, I understand why these characters are doing the thing that they're doing and mm-hmm. how that moves the plot along, mm-hmm. which is a problem in, in a lot of anime that I've seen is moving the plot along. Yeah. Uh, in so. what way?
1: So would you say most anime are kind of slow or just not very well put together?
2: Here's the problem, and this is the same Marvel and DC problem that we've had for a while: is that the inmates are running the asylum, mm-hmm. in that we have a generation who was raised on great, great anime from the '80s, you know, Fist of the North Star, uh, the and, and from the '70s like Gundam and uh, Lupin and all this mm-hmm. stuff, and you know, even up until the '90s, and it's like, okay, these are These shows come out and kids are like, I want to learn how to do that. I want to grow Mm -hmm. up to do that. And they learn how they grow up and they get into the industry, but they don't know. All they know how to do is parrot what they saw. Mm -hmm. And so you end up with shows that are either. Like, oh, I was really affected by, you know, this episode of Urusei Atsura or something. But well, it was really slow-paced and and thoughtful and, uh, you know, it was kind of ag- against the grain of the show. And then, you know, they grow up and they're like, okay, well, my name is Makoto Shinkai and I want to make Freaky Friday. Except mm-hmm. I want to call it an anime instead. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, oh boy, I'm sure they... <laughs>
3: Hey, wow, the... is that a laser
2: sight pointed at my head? That's weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, those Your Name fans are pretty militant. You better be careful, man.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I've i made a career out of not being careful, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, but, you know, and uh, recently what I saw, and I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to say what's a good show until you see something that's terrible. Mm-hmm. i No Zero came out, what was it, two years ago? I've uh, forgotten about it already because that's how the mm-hmm. cycle works right now. Right, yeah. But um, that is a show where none of the characters do anything mm-hmm. of any importance, except occasionally get into the robot. Right, yep. Um, the one character sees his best friend from childhood get vaporized and, mm-hmm. is, you know, reacts with dull surprise. Huh,
3: and look at that. that's not good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um hmm that that's a show where, and I'm sure you two growing, having grown up in the Cold War, mm-hmm. uh, can appreciate this analogy. But imagine that to that for American and Western technology, because Canadians, right? Mm. Uh, yeah, we're Canadians. To advance, you had to run cabling through, uh, through Berlin all the way through Russia, and this was a super important cable. That connects all of your super technology, like cell phones and whatnot, and it's sitting, and it goes right past the Kremlin with a big sign on it that says, please don't cut. <laughs> uh-huh. In the same way, all is zero, despite having enemies that are in orbit and still very, very hostile, uh, they're just sitting up there. They're like, hey, you know what sounds like a great idea? Let's put satellites in orbit, and that'll take care of all our cell phone." Oh no! They blew up our satellites. <laughs> Who ever thought that could happen? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah.
1: I would admit I missed Elden Ring Zero, Zero, and I'm not regretting it at the moment. <laughs> nope.
2: Don't. Not worth it. Yeah. Uh, it is. It's a. It's a two-bit Gundam ripoff.
1: Yeah. No. And no. like
2: I'm saying that in a in a world where mecha anime right now is for perverts.
1: Mm. Yeah, pre- well, oh, you watched Darling in the Franks, did you?
2: I watched three <laughs> episodes of Darling in the Franks, and I was just like, this is making my stomach churn.
1: Yeah, I mm. couldn't get past the preview. I'm like, wait, so they're having butt sex with their female co-pilot, and what the fuck? And that was kind of it. Okay. Yeah. You know, while they're By the way, folks, while they're piloting the Mecca, not in bed with the female co-pilot, that's mm-hmm. how they pilot the Mecca.
3: Yeah. Okay.
2: uh, The female is uh, on all fours and has flanges coming out of her back to be piloted by, well, the main character and his magic fucking penis. Uh, decides that how to how to control these female shaped robot. Yep. Who is this for?
0: (laughs) I don't (laughs) know. That's almost a South Park episode
2: i know
3: right where well, they like, invented like that if thing. i was
2: just, if i was describing this to my my <laughs> normal friends and i i say normal in big air quotes because they're you know D and D nerds or lord of the rings nerds or warhammer nerds mm-hmm. all of which i am as well uh they'd be like wow what were you what like never make this show it sounds terrible and i'm <laughs> like yeah it got greenlit for two cores <laughs> wow yeah, who, so. who pays for
1: 26 episodes of that, which would have cost them somewhere around $16 million? Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Who who invests in that and thinks this is a good idea? The Japanese government. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Who's like, oh man, nobody in our country knows how to fuck anymore. Well, that's <laughs> not entirely untrue. I mean, look at their birth rate. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, no. Like, their sagging birth rate is why we have such... It's the same idea as like oh we got to show these pandas porn to teach them how to bone, mm-hmm. and it's not working. Nope, <laughs> uh, because they're so their society is so fucking bent and stratified that it's almost impossible, and they don't have any good. <laughs> Like, they don't have really any good role models for what a romantic relationship looks like. The mm. number one movie that's supposed to be super romantic and have, like, big feels in it is mm-hmm. Your Name, I think. Hmm. And, like, I wouldn't call that a healthy relationship. <laughs> no, not
1: really. You're, you're Well, I mean, think about this. The entire current generation of J- Japanese men basically grew up, and women, grew up in a, what were effectively one-parent households. Because their fathers literally were off working themselves to death. And the mother just stayed home and took care of the kids. So they never saw yeah. their father. He was this distant figure they saw maybe once or twice a week.
2: Yeah. And, uh, I mean, if they were lucky to yeah. have, yeah. you know, one working parent and one at home, yeah. Uh, yeah. because the economy had sagged so badly in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, you know, there just wasn't time. Yeah, very uh, So many businesses folded and... Uh, yeah, that's a that's an economy. That that's an economy and a society that needs to make some big changes. And if there's one thing that I've learned about Japanese society in my grandiose studies is that change is not something they do very willingly.
0: No. <laughs> I, I think I think that holds for a lot of societies. And I think you've kinda mm. hit it one of the one of the catches when you talk about what makes for a good, like, say, Mech Show or show in general. And what was, what was the appeal say in the seventies and the eighties for us here for the Japanese stuff is that they tend to write their stories, even their nerdly ones, very character driven. Mm -hmm. And the problem that you run into is if you can't come up with interesting characters, you don't really get much of a show. You get the trappings of something that sort of flounders around. Yeah. And I think you hit on something too, um, with the idea when you mentioned the problem that say our superhero comics are having because we've talked about this that the people producing them are the fans of the last generation yep and those people were basically their shtick was they were fans of this stuff so they don't really have anything new to add to the mix so you get these kind of weird really distillated versions of stuff from before
2: yep uh and i mean We can we can see that right now. And when they bring when when comic writers bring in Mm -hmm. novelists, Mm -hmm. uh, when they bring in Chuck Wendig, who was in the news recently, because Nazis got him fired. um, When we bring in, say, Dan Abnett, who is a British sci fi writer. I don't know how well you guys are in on the whole Warhammer thing. He's Mm -hmm. a good he's a fantastic sci fi writer, regardless of anything. Mm-hmm. But when when they brought him in to do Annihilation, it was a breath of fresh air for Marvel cosmic stuff, because he just did what he thought was a good idea. And it worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, breathe new life into these characters that had gone stagnant. Um, but then they handed the reins back over to um, Jeff Loeb, who was just like, hey, my kid just died in a car accident. All of my new main characters are going to be named Sam. And they're all going to be fifteen years old.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Not a good move.
2: No, I mean, Jeff Loeb did some good work. Ten no, twenty years ago. Twenty yeah. years ago, yeah. See see I have that problem where I keep thinking the nineties was ten years ago. It wasn't.
1: <laughs> Welcome to old. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep, <laughs> yep the nineties doesn't seem like that long ago to me either. And yeah, it kind of was. Mm-hmm
2: yeah One anyway i like to think about <laughs> yep,
1: yep okay let's not let's not turn this into the whiny old guys podcast let's <laughs> let's keep this on track folks all right, so all right, so there we go, so yes, having good characters and everything, but here's the thing, right most of mm-hmm. the mecha anime of the seventies and kind yeah. of the eighties and the actually didn't really have all that great characterization there was red there was blue there was yellow there was green and there was pink and they kicked ass together and i mean and that's usually about as deep as most of those shows got i mean well you sh- okay, red was so, a hothead but that's about it yeah. okay.
2: several several issues that i have to take here mm-hmm. um characterization at that point in anime in general mm-hmm. was kind of running off of the backs of Gachaman. Yes, it was. For that's the true. most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's a tried and true method. Yep. Um, Koji Kabuto is not a deep character, but you can rely on him to do exactly what Koji Kabuto should do, which is piss off Sayaka mm-hmm. and then go and punch a robo- an enemy robot in the face. Yes. Yeah, the characterization is not that deep, but they devote enough time in the episode to the interaction of all the characters around that it's not just, oh, no, it's the monster of the week. What do we do now? Well, mm. fight it, I guess. Um, mm. Which is a problem that I've found has happened a lot with modern super robot shows, the uh, Brave series mm. and mm. all that stuff. Um, I know people swear by Gal Geiger and, like, yeah, you can go and swear by it over there far away from me. <laughs> <laughs> But um at that gar fan still... we're going to have words later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, I own Gal-Gai-Gar, A fan sent it all to me and I reviewed it and I well words were had. Um... <laughs> words are going to be had again apparently. Okay. All That's right. Fine. Um, um and again, like I said, Super Robots not really my shit. Are not really your thing. Mm-hmm. We know. <laughs> but the the important thing about Super Robots were that, well for one thing they you know, gave Super Sentai something to do when they, did. they were they needed something to, you know, sell toys off of. Mm-hmm. And uh, so 1974 comes around and Get a Robo comes out. Mm-hmm. And now, instead of one pilot and his girlfriend having arguments, you had three pilots who were vastly different and mm-hmm. frankly psychotic in some points. <laughs> uh, getting in scraps with each other and, you know, and arguing in between themselves, like in Cyborg Zero and Zero Nine like mm-hmm. in Gachamon mm-hmm. uh like in Fantastic 4 that was mm-hmm. like their big draw too is that they were dysfunctional and not even dysfunctional but they just acted like people yeah like Fair people enough. put in impossible in impossible situations and reacted in a you know fairly realistic sense mm-hmm. um and so once uh once Yoshiyuki Tamino the venerable director of Gundam came on the scene he popped up with, hey, well, what if we make everything really awful and sad? <laughs> and see, and see yeah. how our writers who are good at having these characters reflect that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Amuro in Gundam is sitting there like, I mean, that kid has PTSD. Oh, yeah. Like, there's yeah. no question that kid is shell-shocked Yep, uh, by, like, episode 15. And uh, the two shows he did before that, Dietarn Three and Zambot Three, both mm-hmm. were were flipping this idea on its head yep. of like, oh hey, these child characters coming in to do the thing, and like, oh wait, there's psychological um, damage. There's repercussions mm-hmm. here. Yes, yeah. And that's <laughs> you know that's seventy seven, seventy eight, seventy nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, combatler V or combatler, yeah, combatler V. Yeah, V. five. Mm-hmm. Gotta remember the difference. <laughs> yep. Uh those it's two tough, that came out back to back were also like, yeah, no, we're kinda tropey and we're kinda like Voltron light, or you know, predator precursor to Voltron. Mm, but yeah, the, the characters were there to bounce off each other in a way that we didn't see in American works. Yeah. And mm-hmm. even in Voltron, you know, not everybody got along or got together. And it wasn't until Power Rangers that we really saw that. Everybody's friends and nothing ever goes wrong. Oh, no, it's the bad guy of the week. Let's go punch him in the face.
3: <laughs> yeah, I th-
0: I think the, the catch with that, um, and I can kind of, because, uh, again, to, to come clean, I'm a huge Super Robot fan.
3: <laughs> okay. Well.
0: But I, I recognize, no, they're they're really silly. And I think what it was is you had messengers Z come out. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy popular, and Koji Kabuto is kind of a bonehead, as as I believe Rob has used the term before. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: And it a good worked; word. <laughs> it, it fits; it fits so well. Oh, yeah. Yes, it does. And it worked for the story. The story is written around that. But the thing was, because it got to be so popular, it just became understood that if I have a super robot, the guy mm-hmm. who built it's gonna die, and his nephew, because if your uncle builds a giant robot, he's not making it, like to his 50th birthday (laughs) like the the kid's gonna get it he's gonna be this angry brash young hot and it was just that that was the formula that became Mm -hmm. so ingrained that by the time you got to your third generation of super robots everybody forgot why you wrote it that way
2: Mm -hmm.
0: like koji did have kind of a crappy life in that because he's a going a guy character and that's what they do pretty Mm. much (laughs) but when you got to other people they kind of forgot to add that extra little bit. And a lot of the heroes were just, you know, like the angry kid because that was how it worked. Right. And, and then, yeah, it was like when you got to Tomino and his kill them all reputation, he started adding that idea that maybe there's like consequences of this guy being a dick to everybody. And then that was the thing that when you got to the original Gundam and the beginning of the super robot show was the idea of, adding uh what I would call circumstance, but other people might call complications. Mm. And it was the idea that the characters would be people. They would have limits. They would get along, they wouldn't get along, things would carry over. And then mm. that applies to the hardware, that the hardware wasn't just this super magical super robot that every couple episodes magically manifests a new power. There was a through Writer, Yeah, or oh there were so many of them like, that was, yeah. e- even Mazinger, every couple episodes, whipped out some new weapon system, and you're like, where is he putting all those rockets?
2: In the near-damn business. <laughs> yeah, basically. We we know exactly where the rockets are fired from, friendo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they come out of his elbows for some reason. <laughs> like, right. I thought, that was, I thought that was Astro Boy. Oh, no, he had the machine guns in his butt. He,
2: oh, yeah, but he yeah. had the machine gun in the butt, and we- who had the rockets in the knee? The rockets in the knee was Cyborg zero zero nine. Carry yeah. on. Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, gonna <laughs> work my way through that. <laughs> um, but yeah. So to the point, I think also there's a there's a level of catharsis that that is achieved by. Uh, all right, so big disclaimer for everybody: mm. what I'm what I'm engaging in is speculation and is not indicative of actual. Like Japanese society, it's just something that I have observed and have come to a possibly completely wrong conclusion on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that there is a level of catharsis for a young boy who is in the process of being turned into a good Japanese citizen, very stoic and very you know mm-hmm. reserved um to see these hot headed characters like, I remember being a kid like that, um just being a little shit running mm. around, getting to save the day sort of thing. Mm, right. I think there's a level of catharsis from seeing screamy, shouty idiots uh, <laughs> running around like, uh, well, like uh, Ryoma from Get a Robo, like mm-hmm. Koji Kabuto, right. like Kashu, like mm. uh, Shimon and Kamina from Gurren, like, like all of these hot-blooded, hot-headed knuckleheads right (laughs) (laughs) i believe there's a level of catharsis there that uh the people who are writing super robot shows were writing super robot shows in the 90s uh were were trying to grasp onto if you will um Mm. so i think there i think that's a important part of Mm. why these characters why this character became a trope and why this character didn't Stop being, basically mm-hmm. Even though we got something A little bit more I hate to say interesting But a little bit more intellectually stimulating well, I don't know, and I'm not sure
1: if I'd call Shinji Akari Intellectually stimulating
2: <laughs> I think that there's a lot to be talked about About Shinji Akari and why he is doing A completely Normal and rational thing given the circumstances, <laughs> which is losing his goddamn mind.
1: But normal and rational does not necessarily mean entertaining or interesting. Those are this different is things. True. <laughs> There's, I'm not um, going to argue with you there, but it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you know a, a normal and rational thing is not to whack off over
2: your girlfriend when she's in the that's hospital. That's not normal nor rational. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, <laughs> your right, reaction was mom. weird. I'm, and I'm talking specifically about Shinji in the tv series right okay end of evangelion (laughs) was a giant fuck you to fans and that's i mean anything that happens in that show or in that movie Mm. we can tribute a tribute to um ano being like god damn it i hate evangelion so much (laughs) why don't you
1: well (laughs) yes and no i mean evangelion has the ending it does because he's basically just copying Idion. Like, he's just going back and basically doing the idiot thing because he thought that oh, yeah. was, like, the greatest yeah. series ever.
2: It's pretty fucking good. It is. <laughs> it's pretty fucking whack, too. <laughs> mm. um, but, I mean, they dragged him back in. He was like, man, I, I achieved catharsis in my own series mm. for my own crimes and my <laughs> own sins at the end of this series where everything is Okay. Yeah, and they were like, "Hey, you know that show you worked on like a couple of years ago? We want you to make more of it." But I ended it really well and really f- definitively. Yeah, but we've got this big briefcase full of money here <laughs> mm. and a contract. Mm. Uh mm. so <laughs> get to work. And he's just like, "Well, back to the slave pits I go." Yep. Um, he's still so, working away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, we're gonna get a fourth movie at some or a uh, fifth movie at some point, but <laughs> I don't believe him. Hmm. Um, is it's it, all right. I haven't watched one of those movies in years.
1: <laughs> well, that's good because no new one has come out in years. So that kind of works. Yep. Uh, they released one uh, about, what, every three or four years. So, yeah, whatever. So about the whole hot-headed youth, though, the thing is, yeah. is that that is actually like the perfect character to constantly get into trouble and mm-hmm. constantly not worry about shit and not worry about PST and get involved like from a plot point of view he's the oh, yeah. he's the dude. That's why mm-hmm. they keep mm-hmm. using him. It's not because he they think he's so much so interesting. I guess he kind of oh, is God, maybe no. No, <laughs> he, yeah. Maybe um, it's because he's the perfect plot device, basically. Wow, bad stuff is happening, so I'll hop in my giant robot and kick its ass. That's what mm-hmm. he does, and he does it in a kind of funny, boneheaded way, and that's entertaining, and that's why that character never goes away.
2: But the problem is that we—I it, think it's entered a point where. So Homer Simpson, when he when he was first introduced, was not. The idea of the bumbling dad was weird, mm-hmm. right? Like when The Simpsons came out, Homer sort of. and Bart having a bad relationship was strange and subversive, and now mm-hmm. it's the norm on every, you know, every family drama ever. Almost mm-hmm. now, you know, like the problem with that sort of brash, hot-headed character is that when it first came out, it was just like, oh, hey, maybe it means something to an o- to this audience at this time and then it's been taken to the point where well what what are we really doing with this character? I don't know, but we got to plug this trope in. Now, again, mm. complaining that a show has tropes in it is like complaining that a tree is made of wood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not inherently a bad thing.
3: Mm. Oh no, no but tropes are it, not it's a, a, very bad. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's also important to recognize what those tropes are and try and do something interesting with them. And if you can't do that, well then you better make I don't know. Good luck. Good luck, Scruffy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think you kind of um, hit upon the thing, too, that a lot of the stuff that hits and gets used over and over, it kind of depends what's going on in society at the time.
1: Yeah. True.
0: Because that was the idea. um, We had a similar thing here, say, in the 70s and the 80s with our action heroes. Right. That you had in the 70s, coming out of the exploitation film, you had a lot of, like, dark, gritty, doesn't play by the rules kind of cop. And do you feel lucky, punk. Oh, ex- mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. And and it came out of there was like this idea that um, people felt crime was rampant, they wished they could do that sort of thing. I think in Japan in the mm-hmm. 70s, it was the same, you were seeing a little bit of like social upheaval, things were changing a little, well, which in Japan would be a lot.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And the angry, tough guy hero that didn't play by the rules was kind of like. I like like you were saying, it was like wish fulfillment for the audience. It ends up getting kind of like our action heroes in the '80s, where it became codified that every hero was was McBain, y'all. You know? <laughs> we gotta do this by the book, <laughs> by book, you know. But every hero had to be that. Uh, so mm-hmm. Society was happy and upbeat, so that kind of tough guy thing became almost a parody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I think that's kind of what happened with like the, the, the angry young hothead mech pilot. And then when you got Mm. into the real robot, uh, like you were saying, I wouldn't necessarily say more intellectual, but the characters that started coming about, they were more meaty. There was more to them. Yeah like Koji Kabuto is angry guy punches robot girlfriend slaps in the face when he like says something stupid and that's him which he
2: does a lot (laughs) yeah
0: and because that's him that's his whole personality but then when you get into again somebody like um like just about anybody from from the original Gundam they all had issues they had like angry moments they had happy moments but it was all Mm -hmm. kind of tied in you could see where that that stuff was coming from it wasn't just this guy's the angry guy because he's angry and this guy's the villain because that's what he is Mm. there was more of a a reason to it and i think again it reflected that changing time you'd played out the original tropes um the fans were a little older so you could deal with something a little more complicated because it wasn't specifically just kids um society was a little more complicated there were a few more issues going on the eighties was the big era of globalization. So there's a lot of stuff everybody had to absorb. Mm-hmm. And that was partly where that comes from.
2: Yeah. And now it, it it is important to note that while there are no mustache twirling villains, there is no emperor Gore in Gundam. There is no, <laughs> there is no doctor hell in Gundam though. You may feel like it at some points. Um, and his name is Yoshi. keep to me. Now. <laughs> uh, considering some of the shit that happens to those poor, poor people. Um, but you know, the 19, 19- the difference between 1972 and 1979 doesn't sound like a lot, but there was a fair bit of like, up and at them, go to it and i i mm-hmm. made a point about this in one of my recent videos uh, about the way that um my hero academia okay work with me on this one <laughs> uh my hero academia kind of mimics the the rise of japan's economy mm-hmm. uh from the 50s up to the 70s and yeah the 70s were pretty good um and everybody had a lot of the monies Mm -hmm. and manufacturing was taking off like nuts and well then the late 80s hit and everybody realized oh crap we we made this economy on credit (laughs) and um and real estate that didn't that all fell through Mm -hmm. whoops but um yeah the the other the other thing is with series like like mazinger zee There really wasn't anything else like it. Yeah. And there really continued to not be anything like it until about 1975. Mm -hmm. And then everybody got a giant robot, and Gona Guy was working overtime. It's why he (laughs) probably could retire if he wanted to right now, but he's a creepy old pervert. (laughs) But And I do love him, so. (laughs) (laughs) But uh... Forgive me if I'm treading over ground you guys knew already, Mm -hmm. but... You know, the original Gundam was about as well received as a lead balloon. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it got canceled, for crying out loud. <laughs>
0: Did it get canceled a couple times?
2: Uh, it got canceled and saved and canceled and saved. <laughs> and then they made it to 39 episode and finally got canceled. But mm-hmm. then syndication and movies saved it, like the original Star Trek. Yeah. Right. But, yeah, once they, once they swung back around and were like, Oh, hey, we know who our core audience is. Mm-hmm. Let's show them Zeta Gundam, <laughs> mm. and then you're really gonna start crying, kiddies. <laughs> mm. That kind of puts me in mind too. Like,
0: um, you've referenced the '90s, and you you talk about like say uh, Evangelion, and the the quote unquote hero of Evangelion. I think again, he made such an impact on people because that show was again crazy popular. Yeah, because he was the '70s action hero bonehead guy for the nineties and like sadly yeah well and and what happened was Mm -hmm. like like you say the end of the 80s the bubble economy pops uh the future Mm -hmm. isn't secure a lot of traditional uh japanese things like say lifetime employment at your company all comes into doubt and that's Mm -hmm. and that's sort of what shinji is he's like the young guy who doesn't quite know his place and he's not sure mm-hmm. what he should be doing because pro- like the the old formula just doesn't work and the old formula used to be all mm-hmm. and then that's why yeah. he kind of flounders around and he's sort of buffeted by by the wind with whatever character is other characters currently in his face and he never quite becomes himself
1: and that's what people yeah. felt like at that time
2: that's fair yep
1: and he's literally a giant mama's boy <laughs> Geeky. but don't
2: you know what's funny is that for all the success that Evangelion was had, it actually failed in its core ideas. Okay. How so? Um, this, is my, this is my understanding of it, mm-hmm. and people can argue with this if they want. Um, Shinji is not supposed to be a character that people should relate to because he's a piece of shit. <laughs> Gen- Gendo Ikari is not somebody that should remind you of anybody because that man is an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um Ray ayanami is not supposed to be alluring or attractive she's supposed to be creepy and weird
3: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> none of that happened <laughs> when that show came out everybody was like oh man shinji and you know hidey was just like no no <laughs> I can... not like this <laughs> i can uh, totally see that yeah and and again that's kind of why the end of evangelion turned out like it did Mm -hmm. like hey i know all you otaku out there who and by that point otaku were in established subculture Mm -hmm. um they had been since the 80s really um uh, look i know all you otaku out there think that shinji is just you know shit on toast or whatever um and for those of you who are wondering at home the uh (laughs) the Poor young viewers, right now, wondering who the fuck we're talking about. Just imagine we're saying Kirito every time we say Shinji.
3: Oh, 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 oh. oh.
2: oh man. It's a good thing that this microphone is attached to a stand because I think I just might have dropped it otherwise. Um, <laughs> oh, come on.
1: No, no. Shinji has more personality, dude. Yeah, That's true.
2: Look, all I'm saying is that there used to only be one black swordsman, and his name was Gats. <laughs> hmm. True. Um, but yeah, so going back to this, um, yeah, no, like otaku were like, yeah, no, we totally get Shinji, and you know, Shinji was kind of a character that people could get a handle on because mm-hmm. he reflected certain things in society, yep, that were kind of kind of basic, uh-huh. um, much in the same way Amuro Ray did, and was like, oh, I'm a kid, but I'm forced into this, mm-hmm. and we're all trying to deal with the fallout of World War II, mm-hmm. um. We don't have characters like that anymore because there is no great Japanese question
3: hmm.
2: uh, right now other than, man, I hope I make it through exams. And what happens after that? Fuck if I know. Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter.
1: Huh. Who knows? Who cares?
3: <laughs> like
0: yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, that kind of makes sense. And that's, again, I
1: think, too,
0: because we've seen stuff like that before that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. cut stories and that that come out that are technically supposed to be warnings people are like that seems like a good idea because that's my gripe in like say north america with the cyberpunk genre of the 80s yeah nobody was saying this was a good thing
2: yeah, this is a warning. <laughs> yeah, whatever you do, like, don't no, you go don't here. You don't want to live in Blade Runner. <laughs> no, 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 that's bad. You don't... don't. No, Shadowrun is terrible. Yeah. and that's Shadowrun, a... the setting is good, but the, yes, the yeah. idea is terrible. <laughs> I wouldn't want to live there. And that's the thing. Like, everybody's like, no,
0: I want to be connected to everything all the time. Oh, my God. You are. And, and don't. Don't. Like, did, did you not see the Borg? Do you not know? Oh, man, they just want to slap the whole human race. But I think a lot of that happens because, again, people will see something. I think that the, the problem with Shinji was at the time, a lot of the hardcore fans said, he's like me,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and we're off and running. And the problem was, it wasn't supposed to be, he's like me, yeah, it was supposed to be like, he's like me, oh my god, no. Oh,
2: oh yeah. shit, I need to get my life together, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Basically, yeah, it's, it's like anybody now who feels a kinship with rick sanchez you know he's he's a warning he's not a role model yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's a <an> alcoholic <laughs>
0: alcoholic genocidal
2: maniac like, yeah so. pretty much like mm-hmm. that that show oh god i i will be <laughs> so happy when rick and morty is no longer culturally relevant really no, I, I watched the first season of that with my buddies, and I was just like, wow, these characters are assholes. Yeah. And then I was just like, oh, no. Oh, no. I'm surrounded by assholes who are parroting Rick and Morty. Well, they're making
1: 52 more episodes. So, yeah. Good luck with that.
2: Why does Why does Dan Harmon still have a job? Because people like his stuff. Why? <laughs> that's <laughs> a whole I mean, okay, other okay, show okay, okay. I, will, I will say I like I like Harmon Quest that was funny
1: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> yeah but that's... you're
2: a and d gamer so that makes sense mm-hmm.
0: now see I'm gonna I'd, I'd, I'd key in with the idea that because I like Rick and Morty I'm also like we've already mentioned going to Guy
3: mm-hmm. I'm, yeah.
0: a, I'm a huge going to Guy fan and a lot of stuff that happens in his stories you're not supposed to like that's kind of the point yeah
3: mm-hmm.
0: and, and, that, <laughs> and that's where I see I think Part of the problem that you get into with, um, fans, especially like current fans seem to be all or nothing that Mm. if I like something, then it's because everything about that thing I like is good and positive and wonderful. And They don't realize Mm -hmm. that no parts of this are supposed to be horrifying. That's what makes the story
1: work. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
2: Nuance has been lost. Yeah.
1: That's probably the best way of putting it.
2: Mm -hmm. And that's the same.
1: Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say because nuance is, in the internet age, a waste of time. It doesn't get you anywhere, it doesn't accomplish mm-hmm. anything. Everything has to be turned up to 153 unless, or people won't pay attention to it, basically.
2: Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, see uh, why G Gundam sucks actually. <laughs> uh oh, he mentioned
1: it. Speaking of which, all right, so in this corner we have uh, Don Chisholm. You can
2: see my face right now because <laughs> I have the biggest Cheshire grin.
1: And then this corner over here we have Professor Otaku. Ready? Fight. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's because I saw your thing on, on uh, G Gundam. Uh-huh. And I have to say, I agree with almost everything you say. Okay. Except, I'm cool with it. Like G G Fighter is one of my like favorite mm-hmm.
2: shows. Okay. Hello. <laughs> cool. <laughs> like by all means, and, and I mean I said this as much in this video, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, if you really like G Gundam, you probably like it for the same reasons that you like other super robot shows. You probably don't like it for the same reasons that you like. Gundam shows because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's not a Gundam show not really mm-hmm. like spiritually it has more in common with yes getter or yeah oh, absolutely you know grandizer yeah because yeah, and- I'm just gonna name drop yeah. and, and <laughs> again like I said in the in the video that's fine if mm. you prefer super robots I'll have a problem with it just don't tell don't go around telling me it's the greatest Gundam ever made because not <laughs>
0: yeah and that's because that was I agree that it's not mm-hmm. a Gundam series. It's, a, no, it's, it's not. A, it's Super Robot with with a Gundam paint. What I would almost say is, um, mm-hmm. it almost mm-hmm. felt like a Gundam parody. In that,
2: yeah, it, it almost, yeah, yeah, because they're
0: doing like a, a super, and it's not a. I, I wouldn't call it a generic Super Robot show because it's like they took all the uh, generic Super Robot tropes, and just amp them up to a thousand. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say, I think it was, it was supposed to be, and this is, I appreciate it because it is silly and it's goofy and it goes back to those roots. And I think one of the reasons why um it got made, and I, I don't have any evidence to this, but I suspect because it was the, the quote unquote Gundam series that came right after Victory.
2: That is uh entirely correct, and I do have stats that can back this up. Mm-hmm. Um Victory Gundam didn't do so hot. The model kits weren't super flying off shelves. Right. Mm-hmm. And um they're like, Well, let's let's take old man Tamino and put him out to pasture. You know, he had a good run, but mm-hmm. uh, we just think he's a little old for what he's doing, and then he went on to make Brain Powered. Yeah. And then he went on to make Overman King Gainer. And then he came back to do g Recco and we all realized what the fuck happened there. (laughs) Um, Now, don't get me wrong. I think those shows are fine, but they're Tamino. Like, it's Tamino all the way down.
1: Yes. (laughs)
2: Um, But yeah, no, they brought in one of Tamino's underlings, uh, Mm -hmm. who incidentally is a perfectly serviceable super robot director. Mm-hmm. Criminally wasted on this show, or on <laughs> any Gundam franchise, frankly, mm-hmm. because he's not a real robot director. If they wanted to do a good real or real robot show, they should have gotten Ryosuke or yeah, Ryosuke Takahashi, who has been doing real robot stuff all across the eighties. Yeah. Uh, he did Panzer World Gallant. He did. Um... Mm, come on, it's your favorite one, SBT uh, SPT uh, There we uh, go. He did. Yeah. yeah. He he. They should have brought him in, but I think he was under contract to somebody else. But Yeah, um, probably. But, yeah, they pawned it off on somebody who had no business doing a real robot show, doing anything with a Gundam name on it, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they made a super robot show, and they never went back. Kind of. Because the thing, too, with... To with, an extent, yeah. Because yeah. the
0: thing with something like like Victory was, oh, man, that was so bleak. That's the correct word. Bleak. Yeah, bleak yeah. is the correct word. If if you were mm-hmm. if you were a victory Gundam character and you died a horrible death, you got off lucky. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I could see them again, I see that's why I could they might want to go like the parody route just because I know victor
2: just something different. Yeah. Because the Japanese mm-hmm. understanding of parody usually involves fucking.
0: Yeah, that's true. or or just not quite as like gory a death cream lemon
2: i'm looking at you
0: Mm. (laughs) Ew. anyway
3: (laughs) Uh, right
2: but yeah they just were like yo we got to do something different and Mm -hmm. rather than try a different tack rather than try take a different tack in the idea of moving forward with the real robot genre—they threw the baby out with the bathwater—and were like, "Hey, you know it's great, punchy dumb robots," mm-hmm. and which I love. Lo and behold, they got punchy dumb robots. <laughs> Yay! But, but the, <laughs> which is great for those of you who like punchy dumb
3: robots.
0: Yeah, because I think part of the problem too, when you get to to Gundam of that era, was after they did Char's Counterattack, that kind of wrapped up all the Universal Century stuff very like mm-hmm. contritely. Hmm. And I, yeah, pretty much. And I don't think they quite—they were still kind of wondering because that was sort of the area you had like what is a uh, Gundam X?
1: Yes. Okay, so
2: and... here's production order for Gundam. Okay. After Shards Scanner Attack, they had Gundam F ninety one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is the first thirteen episodes of a show condensed into a movie. Yep. Uh, because the move the show didn't get picked up, but they decided, hey, we can make a really pretty movie out of this. Mm-hmm. After that was Victory. Yeah. Uh, then G. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. Wing. Then X, which got canceled, mm-hmm. and then finally Turn A, yeah, yeah, and then Seed Zero, etc.
1: Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And but you, one could make a good argument though that without uh, G Fighter Gundam, you wouldn't get Gundam Wing, because Wing is also I mean, a reaction to that to the Victory thing, and it's almost kind of a halfway mm-hmm. in between. It has mm-hmm. some of the almost super robot aspects of uh, G Fighter Gundam but at the same time it's a little more serious and a little more of a proper real robot show. And
2: I would Yeah, s- they also got the um I think they could have made G Gun- or Gundam Wing without G Gundam before it mm-hmm. because they got the guy who directed uh Ronin Warriors over here, mm-hmm. uh, and Samurai Troopers. Yeah. Uh for the first half of that series and it, it you know if you watch that show yeah. and then you watch Gundam Wing back to back you're like Oh, okay, that's where they got it.
3: Well,
1: that does make sense. That's true. Okay, mm-hmm. fell, fell a point, but they were still in that mindset though. They were still right. thinking they, were, of the they were
2: still in that mindset of let's do something different. Yes. Or or let's let's punch it up a little bit without Tamino as a millstone. Right.
1: One yes. should keep in mind that uh, you know, these shows take at least two years to produce. And so mm-hmm. Wing was already in production when Victory was still on the air, like two years before. Yeah. And so there's that, there's that time lag that's involved that people forget about very easily. And so they didn't know, you know, when G fighter was coming, wing was actually in production at that time. They already knew what was going on. Yep. Yeah. Cause in some ways wing is a serious G fighter. I would make that
2: argument too. Cause it's, it's, I would not make that argument <laughs> at all. Um, because and For various and sundry reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh Every time you say G-Fighter, I think you're talking about Gatchaman Fighter for like two seconds. Oh, right.
1: <laughs> what is G-Fighter Gundam? That is what the proper is name of it. Mobile Fighter yeah, G-Gundam. G- okay, mobile Fighter G-Gundam. Mobile yes. Fighter G-Gundam, fine. Except I never,
0: I never hear anybody call it G-Gundam. And I think, again, because even the people I know who are fans don't yeah. see it as a Gundam series. So that's why they call it yeah. G-Fighter.
2: I I just call it G or that fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so going back to something on this, right? Yeah, okay. But going uh, back to
1: the idea of that wing. wing is wing as yeah. a uh, quasi super robot show. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say super robot, but I'd say
2: it's kind it's of got some super roboty in it. Yeah, yeah.
0: But it's 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 it's, it's kind of a serious G fighter, just because. It's kind of built along that same weird uh, nationalist robot kind of idea.
2: Multinational cast all with their own special... Yep. <laughs> yeah, It's that's... not even multinational, it's multi-region. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: well, multi-regional, and, yeah. 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 And they all rally mm. around like the, the giant mech is kind of a symbol of of their, their autonomy kind of thing.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: But I mean, that's very Gundam too, though. Like, colonies are in revolt, except yeah. this time the colonies are the good guys, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, But, yeah, of. like, I think it's got <laughs> more in common with Com than it does, uh, yeah, than it does G Gundam, other than name, obviously, and mm. character designs and whatnot. Just because that, like, going back, even, like, Battle Fever J has that same thought process behind it. Mm-hmm. It's just that instead of everybody coming together to make one robot, everybody has their own individual bots. Right. But the big difference between why I'm not willing to say G Gundam (laughs) and wing Gundam share much too much DNA Mm -hmm. because obviously all super, all robot shows in general Mm -hmm. share a lot of bones and guts and stuff, uh, is that wing has at its outset, uh, more of a politicized, uh, and I hate to say thought provoking because Mm -hmm. that implies that, there's no thought put into G G Gundam, which is not true, but like r- more out the gate. It's like, this is not a bunch of, this is not for control of the earth. This is back, back to the idea of colonial autonomy and breaking away from the, the chains of gravity that hold our souls down to quote mm. Shars counterattack. Right. And, and because of that also it shares more DNA with the UC than it does G Gundam, which is just its own thing off in the corner. Yeah. Happy to do its own thing, you know. Yeah. That's very yeah. true. But it's basically original Gundam all the way up to Shars counterattack compressed into forty nine episodes.
0: Yeah, kinda and and Wing had the the idea they went back to you having characters, because Again, yeah. the G Fighter guys, they're Koji Kubuto. I am angry. I am angrier. There there's even like one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. lines, true men can only express their feelings with their fists. And and that's basically all it is. Whereas Wing they hmm. made a point of having character and it goes to that what we were talking about before that a good story is character driven and you need hmm. those you need those good uh good characters to make a solid story and that was what they did. Well, Oh, the only
1: thing is I would kind of question a little bit about the whole idea of those being good characters. And, and, okay, I'm going to say this because I happened to be in Japan at that time. And Mm -hmm. I will tell you that they were going through a bit of a... Boy, we we'll call it boy band phase at that right. point. Yeah, they were going through a major boy band phase. um You yeah. could basically see the Gundam Wing characters uh, called maybe Ways Cruise or there were uh, other names yeah, for them.
3: Vice
2: <laughs> Cruise. <laughs> yeah,
1: you could see them under a whole lot of other names in different comics and different shows if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Wing was just one of the examples of the, what I refer to as the boy band. So you have the smart one, you have the shy one, you have the strong one, you have the strong, silent one. The
2: five man band. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're the five man band. And that's what they are. They're each, you know, they're those standard five archetypes, basically of boy Mm -hmm. band archetypes. Mm -hmm. They just forgot to leave out the chick, but they replaced her with (laughs) Quattro. But anyway, that's not neither here nor there. Um, My point is, is that, so again, they were really not that deep of characters. They're just the standard, you know, five band band as you just said Mm -hmm.
0: yeah but they kind of that's where they but it
2: worked i guess is my my counter argument to that it did work that is true
0: (laughs) and it because it it was the start and that was it was the standard kind of kind of team like in 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 a lot of ways anything that has Mm -hmm. five guys are going to be those same five guys and then you do something with it like if you're going to say this guy's the smart one this guy's the arsehole you let them do it like uh, the thing that I thought was kind of funny about Wing was Hero is supposed to be the hot-headed, like borderline, burning with rage guy. Psychotic, is except more like he's
2: it. not. He's just a nut. Yeah, <laughs> and,
0: and that, but that was the thing that he's filling that role. Yeah. But they just run wild. Because I remember, ah, oh, is it like mm-hmm. the first or second episode where he's walking past? The, I forget the uh, the, the yeah, and, and she basically like stops him and goes. I know you're not as cool as everybody thinks it is and I'm going to prove it. And everybody's going to laugh at you. And he looks at her and goes, "I'm going to kill everybody you love," and walks away. And I'm like,
3: the, "There we go.
0: That's a little different."
1: <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, he was a. Uh... That show did an excellent job of portraying child soldiers as, like, being as fucked up as they are in real life, mm-hmm. without really realizing they were doing it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah like okay so for me and i I know one of you is in uh, london ontario so Uh, that would be me passingly familiar with Mennonites. oh i am am i'm very
1: i'm very passingly familiar with Mennonites. i don't know any personally but i've i've met more than a few well you know one now
2: oh congratulations
1: okay that's good thanks
2: (laughs) Um. yeah so so growing up okay so Again, as an American citizen mm-hmm. and growing up in the shadow of nine eleven, and having very strongly held beliefs about pacifism uh, that have continued to this day. Mm-hmm. God knows I don't do a great job of it. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing, like, oh, hey, this is a show that's talking about, like, the realities of being a pacifist in a world that's gone completely off its nut. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, it's it's even more prescient now. You know, oh hey, look, rich people are running the world, and they're kind of running roughshod over us. What do we do? I don't know. Let's blow them up in a giant robot. <laughs> it's worked before. But, you know, um, I was I was 13 at the time when Gundam Wing started airing on Toonami, mm-hmm. which is ytv up there i swear yeah, we, to god i try to you, know what the, what the you are the exchange correct. Rate it, it is. Was, it was
1: yeah. called ytv up here yeah we have yeah, our version I is know. ytv basically yeah
2: i watch a lot of loading ready run so i i think i know some of this stuff mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> uh
2: but yeah so i'm, I'm kind of gleaning this piece my all and also uh arcada is also canadian and my friend so mm-hmm. i pull a lot of crap from him <laughs> uh but so you know, when that was when that was first airing for me, I was just like, "Oh, hey, this is really cool. I love giant robots." 9/11 happens. Hey, I'm suddenly very invested in listening to what they have to say about pacifism and how to, you know, create a peaceful world because suddenly everything's in on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, uh, maybe that was just. Like, I think for me personally, it might've had a bigger effect than some of the other folks out there who were just like, I like my giant robot toys that I smash together and make them blow up. It had a little bit more, yeah, even though the characters were a little bit flimsy at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, I don't, I didn't even realize it until now of how much a ridiculously racist character Wufei is. Mm-hmm. Uh, because even though he can still, he doesn't talk in broken Japanese, like is so often the case, Mm um, he's still like, I know what I'll do. I'll get out of my very, very obviously dragon shaped mech and grab my big giant China sword and try and duel this guy, (laughs) Hmm. uh,
1: I wouldn't exactly oh, call that racist because well, that's I, actually, yeah. like, as someone who consumes a fair amount of Chinese media, I can tell you, no, that's pretty standard, actually. That's like, you know, right. he's just a martial artist guy. And that's, and keep in mind, the Japanese are, you know, they read Chinese <laughs> oh, literature. They watch Chinese movies. Yeah. So, again, I wouldn't they call that. They love
2: Chinese culture. They, they do. could give a fuck about the people, though. Yeah. Uh They do now. That's why... Well, that, yeah, I'm sure they do more now than they well, used
1: Well, they but... they kind of have to, you know, China being the second largest economy on the planet and <laughs> also having huge mm-hmm. influence on their own economy at this point. They kind of do right. care about China a lot now.
2: So... Yeah, but, I mean, when I was when I was doing my studies initially, this was not before the rise of China as a world superpower, but like, you know, the understanding was that the Japanese love love China's history, they love its literature, oh, they, they love its products, but man, they don't they don't care one whit what happens to the the people living in that country. Um That's still man, probably
1: I, fairly true actually. <laughs> I think that's
2: fairly true because Japan is surrounded by people who think they're pieces of shit uh with good reason. Mm-hmm. I think uh that whole little dust up in <clears throat> 1902.
1: Yeah, yeah, well there's been, there's well
2: yeah. Yeah.
1: Everything since then. <laughs> well, yeah, the Japanese were kind of dicks to the rest of Asia for a while there, and but keep still it, are. It, well, uh, the key point is is that well, okay, anyway, yeah. that's we're not going to get too much into politics, but the key point is that the the Chinese though do use that uh, anti-Japanese sentiment as a hmm. we we'll call a political tool, and they do it on a regular basis and mm, shocker yeah exactly and the chinese are not exactly the nicest people to their own uh in so they're to their neighbors and some of their own citizens mm-hmm. so <laughs> you know let, let's just say there's a whole lot of dicks in asia let's just let's just <laughs> leave it there actually um and yeah, yeah.
2: Out everybody who's like in politics right now is kind of an asshole <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think that's true actually
1: i mean except for maybe that's Trudeau guy's all right uh depending yeah. on who you ask depending <laughs> on who, who you ask So, G-Fighter, let's not spend too much time more arguing about uh, 80s Gundam. The truth is, 80s Gundam was a mixed bag. There was some good stuff there uh, that we can all agree with. We can't just all agree what it was. Um, I actually... I, you know, Wing was an interesting case because I'll tell you the truth. I watched Wing the first time through without subtitles and that's not because my my. Japanese is amazing. It's because I was getting tapes from Japan from a source at that time. Nice. And this was back in the tape trading days. And so I watched Mm many series actually in the 90s without subtitles. And I, just my rudimentary Japanese and just guessing what was going on. And to be honest, later on, I watched it with subtitles. I liked it better without subtitles actually.
3: (laughs) <laughs>
1: uh, because I found a lot of what's going on is borderline nonsensical. So I so, said, okay, why are you doing this? Wait, what? What? What's that? And Hero <laughs> just, at least he seems kind of cool when you don't actually know what what he's saying. So, anyway, neither here nor, actually, the one I loved, though, was, even with subtitles, is actually Gundam X.
2: See, they have the... Yeah, X is... Man, I wish X didn't get such a bad rap, but it had the... Uh, X is the Final Fantasy VIII of... Um, of gundam Mm, because it had the bad luck of coming on of of being produced right after gundam wing yeah which was super popular and made lots of money and made lots of model kits Mm -hmm. and gundam x came out and was not nearly as popular and not quite as good and didn't have nearly the model kit oh dear (laughs) <laughs>
1: well yeah and well x mostly suffered from the fact that it didn't have any real villains it just had occasion it just had dickheads who popped up and got who died yeah. basically yeah. and then there were and there was were like, really, oh, and there's the two annoying guys who were apparently supposed to be the main villains of the series but basically are just these two annoying guys who follow them around they're they're basically beavis and butthead in mechs and it's like <laughs> hey and they just poke at the heroes and the heroes are like T- get lost
2: get lost yeah, eh? hey, are just like oh wait hey hey i like your <laughs> face mate hey and, and the yeah so for those of you who are uh big gundam x fans out there uh the frost brothers are allegedly big bad evil guys but they're mostly just kind of idiots yeah <laughs> and the um yeah i mean the uh, rest of your Rand is not a great hero no, and- true the two idiots that pilot the other two robots are not great heroes and nll needs to put some pants on and uh (laughs) tifa is a new type yep and that's her character yeah (laughs) there are dolphins involved
1: (laughs) and there are dolphins involved but you know the post-apocalyptic world they put together is kind of nifty it has a great soundtrack And it's, you know, this actually, I would say the best part of Gundam X is actually the setting. The setting and everything and the way it works mm-hmm. out is actually pretty good. It's just, yeah, the characters need a little more depth. Actually, they need a lot more depth. And the story could have been better written. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it ends at 39 it episodes because it got low ratings and it kind of deserved to end at 39 and episodes. And it
2: ended up on a Sunday morning. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Uh yeah, no, the thing is, yeah, Gundam X was interesting, but it suffers from the same post apocalyptic problem mm-hmm. that I find Vista the North Star has. That, um, yeah, there is a big bad, I guess. Ah. <laughs> and we'll get to him eventually, <laughs> but hmm. not today. <laughs> yeah. But I- today, Kenshiro has to go and punch a man who's 50 stories tall. <laughs> yep. Why is he 50 stories tall? <laughs> Who knows? Mutants, but man, he's big. Yep, how will, yeah,
3: Actually, radiation? Yeah,
0: well, I, there, there's an explanation, but don't forget, Gundam X also had uh Captain Joe Asakura. Oh,
1: you, you mean you mean I thought I, I called him Captain Harlock, but
0: whatever.
3: Yeah, okay. yeah,
2: I was gonna say, you mean Harlock. <laughs> You mean you mean uh, low rent Harlock? Yeah,
1: that's a good way to. Do that. I I prefer that description. I'm with I'm with Prop on this one. Notice,
2: yeah. Well, he's more like a he's almost more like a low rent Captain Okita from uh <laughs> yeah of. from Yamato. It's, just it's like well yeah he's an old man who sits around a lot and looks very stern. Yep. Doesn't it, do a whole lot though.
0: It's funny that you guys knew exactly where I was going, but I was going to say Ooh, yeah. you ever notice you never see Captain Harlock and Condor Joe together?
3: Hmm. <laughs> Can't drop that shit on me (laughs) somewhere. Oh, I see it
2: now, though. You
1: you got me that. Well, but then again, they all the ace always looks like that in almost everything in the seventies. Come on, yeah.
2: And well, yeah, that's because Leiji Jim was the only one doing work then. Well, that's pretty much it. He was the man. Draws three faces. Yeah. (laughs) and for woman man potato that's true <laughs> yes. that is true <laughs> that's completely true
0: because <laughs> for Hooked Little Ken there is kind of an explanation where all the giant guys came from
2: which and is I, it I skipped through that part because I probably thought it was stupid oh it's
0: it's not in the comic it's not in the animated one it's in the live action movie they did back in the 80s
2: oh, hang on let me just flip this table because you brought up the live action <laughs> first of the
0: North Star movie yeah <laughs>
2: Damn it. If, if
0: ever there was <laughs> material for Mystery Science Theater, that was it. And then they said it was because it was a pre-war drug that they were experimenting with to make, like, super soldiers. It made them grow really big. And at one part, the hero gets punched to America, we think. And it's 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 not a good movie, but that's where the explanation
1: is hidden. <laughs> mm. Actually that's that's not a bad one, the idea that, you know, they, they had this global war and they were using super soldiers and these are the super soldiers that were left over, so that's why they're all big and muscular and look like steroid queens, because mm-hmm. they basically were.
2: Yeah. That that makes a modicum of sense, <laughs> I guess. And that's in the why they in rule the context that Hokuto Numpken doesn't make a goddamn bit of sense. <laughs> yeah. No Sure, why not? But it's, a, <laughs> it's got a
0: guy who pokes you and then he explodes, so that's all that's you need. true.
3: And that's <laughs> yeah.
2: awesome. <laughs> hey, so this is really tangential, but this is some this is a problem I've run into fairly recently. Uh with the Netflix version of Blam that came out. I don't know if that came out up there. Uh, it did, the but I was hard mar- to
1: watch it. No. Um uh,
2: so Hokedonoken, Blam and a whole and uh the Godzilla anime that came out recently mm, yeah. has problems. And that problem is that I don't care about these characters because they're doomed. There's (laughs) Mm -hmm. no, there's no coming back from the situation they're in. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they are so boned. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want, I don't care. I don't, I, even if they survive this week, they will not survive next. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, like, Oh man, we're on this planet and we gotta fight Godzilla. What do you do if you f- What do you do if you beat Godzilla? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, nothing. Because you're still screwed. Yeah. Uh there is that. What do you do? Yeah. Okay. So Ken Kenshiro beats Raul What happens to the world after that? Functionally, nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh Killy goes and blows up a bunch of robots. And you know what happens to that? tiny group of survivors he's found, they all die because that's not a breeding population. Right. (laughs) Fair fair point. Okay, cool. Well, I'll just watch something else that won't make me feel like shit. Oh, but boy, there's life, there's hope. No, there's not. (laughs) I... Functionally
0: untrue. (laughs) I think that ties in with that idea, though, that you're getting, like, third-generation stuff that
3: the Mm. originals
0: did kind of deal with that, but nobody noticed. Because... One of the running things in, say, Hooked and O'ken, yeah. it was that idea of hope that you did see they had a society, but it was these big, giant, muscle-like monsters that were running it and taking advantage of people.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: the underlying idea was that when Kenshiro would come in and make them explode, that there was always somebody else in the village that, that had a dream. That was one of the running things. Mm. Yeah, And that person, that dream would would then presumably when kenshiro left would be what re-energized the town what gave them a new direction Mm
2: -hmm. when you get to eat yeah that's great but at the same point they're like oh man we don't have any water yeah well there's oh (laughs) yeah and that but that would be the thing that they would have a subsistence
0: level of like food and water that was like especially hooked and that was one of the running themes yeah. And it would be, once you get rid of this big giant guy that was eating all the food, there'd be a little more for everybody that could build up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Yeah. Except that not water. You can't have agriculture and, you know, make more food. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're, you're still fucked.
0: <laughs> yeah. But presumably there it's, it's, it's somewhere like you'd see that have the stockades of it. Like, and that would be one of the things that the big guys would be hoarding. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But what you'd get with, yeah. It... Oh, Sorry.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, it's like, again, that's just, like, this the kind of storytelling that is there because the alternative is awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can't have a story. Well, I mean, you can't have a story, we see it all the time, where there's basically no reason for these people not to just, you know, all oh, right, well, counterclockwise, then, blam, 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 <laughs> uh, sort of thing, mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. like, humanity has passed that brink. Yeah, right. And 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 when people who don't... I hate to say this again, but when people who have only really experienced that sort of storytelling uh, without thinking about the ramifications of it are like, yes, no, this breeding population of five people will <laughs> definitely fix the world. It's like, oh, you have one woman between you guys. Uh, <sighs> that, that was a like, that, that That's the sort of thing that just makes me it just makes me go yeah but mm-hmm. you're
1: putting too much logic
0: into it <laughs> well no i'd i'd say it's it's fine but what you're getting at is it's what's happening when you're getting the second and third generation takes on these stories
2: yeah is mm-hmm. that, that people
0: the first one might have addressed that so because that's a blue ice or cult song by the way um but <laughs> you get into the problem like even something like hulk O'Ken, can it ran for so long that at a certain point they lost track of that idea of the bystanders it was just and a bigger guy shows up and kenshiro has yet yep. another brother from somewhere that nobody ever thought to mention because
2: it's difficult to keep right his mom got around again <laughs> yes, who we never did. meet you never she meet did. kenshiro's mom mm-hmm. well presumably because she, when he came out he accidentally yeah that's true that's where
1: those were his first words you are already <laughs> dead. That's the first thing he said to his mom. <laughs> like,
2: oh, we'll name him Kimchiro. What's the hell? Oh, he's trying to speak Oh my It was like, uh, okay. <laughs> he did not do mom well. dad in exploded.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, cuz we see his dad cuz that's like who trained him. Oh, that's right, yeah. But we never see his mom. I I I figured like if Rao is the last kid,
2: then we know why we never see his mom. <laughs> but <laughs> The, the problem, yeah, the problem with that is that, um, oh, God, there's so much casual sexism in most of anime, actually. And it's not really casual. It's just blatant. Uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, we don't see uh, Kenshiro's mom. We don't see a lot of women in general mm-hmm. in these really manly shows um, because they are they just get in the way with their estrogen and their breasts. <laughs> We can't punch those. Yeah, I, th-
0: I think that while there was, there was uh, Who was the big giant guy? The, the, the clown guy that he had to use the wave attack to move his belly out of the way. Imagine it'd be like that. Oh, Jesus. But cause it's, it's again, it's, it's that I, maybe Ken Cheryl's mom was one of those big giant type dudes. But, <laughs> but I think again, too, when you talk about, when you're talking about like 80 stuff, especially, Yeah. Um, I'm reminded of the, uh, a quote from a, uh, the movie metal headbangers journey where they're talking to a a sociologist and she's discussing like gender in Mm. heavy metal. And I think it applies to like the 80s shonen stuff. It's Mm -hmm. not that it was necessarily sexist or that it intentionally excluded females. It was just, it was so focused on the manly that females were just kind of not a consideration at all.
2: Well, I mean, even then that's like, I mean, like, it's not in, like, well, we didn't mean to be sexist. Yeah, but you were anyway. Well, hold on, hold, uh, hold on, hold on a sec a here.
1: Are you saying that just because we do something that's all men, it's automatically sexist?
2: I'm saying that it doesn't really matter what your intent is. If your impact is that, um, and this is something that comes up in a lot of sociology stuff in general, mm-hmm. uh, is that sure your intent when you do drop the n-word in front of your black friends was not to offend mm-hmm. or when you called your gay friend a I'm not gonna say it right yeah you, you know what I mean that. yeah you know exactly I'm not gonna say it <laughs> but you know what I'm getting at yeah when you yeah. said that you're trying to be if you are not a part of that culture then trying to insinuate yourself in and use the lingo of that culture is offensive no matter what you do even if you don't intend for it to be it doesn't matter because the impact was that you did the you did a great social faux pas there Mm -hmm. because you're not a part of this this group you know Mm -hmm. uh and that that's like and i mean that's a that's a huge like oh my god thing but you can extrapolate that down also into smaller thing, like the way that Domone treats Rain mm-hmm. and the way that Domone treats Allenby mm-hmm. is it's not particularly sexist, but they are secondary considerations until they are love interests. That's not that's not intentionally sexist. It's just how these things are written, but the underlying principle of that is kind of in a place that we would consider sexist by modern standards.
0: We we would, but I would I would kind of put a little bit of a take because this is ties into something that that's kind of been Mm. running along the conversation Mm. because it's interesting to go from hook no ken to g fighters the sign of everything bad but when you look at it the idea and this goes with what i was saying i don't think something like g fighter was intentionally sexist because oh no rain was just kind of like she's the the female love interest and that's kind of because every show had one and that's kind of what she does a lenby is a little different because she's basically one of the guys and i think that's why she actually gets like more screen time than than rain and she's
2: she certainly gets more time in a gundam than rain yeah
0: and (laughs) and that's the thing because i think it's that idea that Hmm. it's not exactly sexism because it's not that rain is a female that makes her kind of a lesser consideration it's that She's not a massive macho mecha pilot, and that's why when Alenby <laughs> comes into it, she's more of even though she's a female character, she's one of the massive macho mecha pilots, and that makes her part of the in crowd, and that's why she gets such screen time and better treatment in general than than because mm-hmm. Rain is kind of up until again till she gets the the remnants of the shining Gundam, yeah. she's barely part of the story. She's kind of more like a plot device, but then when she gets the giant robot. All of a sudden, she's part and of the she's story.
2: She's still a plot device; that just happens to be in a robot. Yeah, but she gets more time. Mm-hmm. She gets to like actually yeah, do yeah, things. Yeah, she, she gets she gets to do things. Yeah, and it's just like, well, okay, because that's I guess. And and, it, and again, we're critiquing stuff from a culture that is not our own. Well, and something that's like 20 that years is about old. twenty years behind us in social development, as far as those fronts.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's where I say think because one of the things that I think this kind of we've been dancing around too. Yeah. The one thing about your assessment of G-Fighter that I'd kind of disagree with is mm-hmm. I don't think the racism in it is exactly racism.
2: And- I mean, I think I made a pretty good argument as to why it's racism, but not... not Okay, so there are two kinds of... and I mean, I said as much casual racism mm-hmm. or, like, sub subsurface racism. Like, the when you saw the... When you saw the character from Neo Kenya uh-huh. Did we see that character? Did we see him at all? I mean, he didn't look like oh God. So speaking of racist caricatures, <laughs> I was watching Lupin the Third and The Legend of the Gold of Babylon. Uh-huh. <laughs> part of which takes place in New York City. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of black characters in it, and you know they're black because they look like Sambo. Yeah.
1: Ooh, that's yeah.
2: not okay. <laughs> no. Like that's not that wasn't okay in the fifties. That wasn't okay. Ooh. I mean, it was never okay, but like for that I mean that's a mainstream movie yeah um but you know it's not it's not that they went out and they were like let's be as racist as possible mm-hmm. it's they went out and said let's do l- let us in our strange japanese understanding <laughs> of other cultures do this thing mm-hmm. that is questionable even by 1994 1993 standards mm-hmm. uh and let's just kind of go let's just go to town and uh hey what do we know what do we know about mexicans yeah. well we, they <laughs> they like cactuses and tequila do they really though yeah it'll do right uh you know that that sort of thing it's but it's 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 racism by omission of things that would lend itself to, and like I said, it's essentialism.
0: It kind of, yeah, I, I think that's closer because I think it bumps into a weird sci fiism Yeah. Yeah. Um, that what ends up happening, because you'll see a lot of science fiction stories where say like humanity's gone to the stars and we have colonies everywhere mm. and they'll go to like the colony of New Texas where everybody wears a 10 gallon hat and talks like, hi to partner, heh, heh, and rides robot horses and stuff.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Star Trek.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people will poo-poo that, but I think there's a bit of a catch because when you look at Mm G-Fighter, the colonies are very Disneyland nations, and they make a point of kind of showing the people who are left on Earth are all pretty more like well grounded.
2: Yeah, they're they're they are Earthlings. Yeah, despite the fact that they are living in the ruins of Rome or living in the ruins of. Hong Kong
0: yeah and those tend to be the the earthbound representations of the different countries tend to be a little more realistic mm. when you get to the colonies you get these weird disneyland versions of them where it's it's like you said essentialist is probably the polite way of putting it right but what would happen remember in the story of of G Gundam basically the 1% left earth when it became inha- mm. uninhabitable and they realigned themselves into like the same nations out in space Right, and I'm. I would say that you're getting the same thing you get in the old like Star Trekky Neo Texas space colony planet thing. <laughs> that yeah. what you would have when people relocate like that is they're going to hang on to a sense of normality, and especially if whatever group they see themselves as, I would think it's at least possible psychologically. I bet even likely they're going to start moving into what they think that group is and it's going to be an idealized version and if you've got like all the rich powerful people that move out into space and they're like well we're like neo swiss guys and we loved switzerland and that was our
2: home and and we're gonna make our sailor moon gundam
0: yeah and we're gonna have like you know rebuild the alps in space but it's not gonna be the actual alps it'll be that weird like uh touristy Mm -hmm. markety version and that's when you get that kind of thing so it's not it's not exactly like racism, it's not exactly i'd say even unfounded. it falls into that kind of weird category that I could totally see that happening
2: right and well okay, so two things the essentialism is still a form of racism uh-huh. but, and even if if um you know even if every country if, even a never eh, <laughs> let's try that again mm. uh even if every country even even if every neo-country that went up to space uh, did decide to, like, well, let's do the Disneyland version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that makes a modicum of sense in context of the show. However, that bumps up against what's called, what is in the common parlance right now, the Thermian Argument. Are you familiar with this? I
0: think I know it by another name.
2: You might. Uh, it's something that Dan Olson coined, and if you... Watch uh, the Foldable Human, uh, watch his stuff Then he gets into this stuff a lot He probably would be able to explain this better than I can But So there's a show called, or there's a movie called Galaxy Quest, mm-hmm. right? You guys have seen? Yeah, yeah. yeah of course yeah. yeah, it's like one of the greatest Star Trek movies ever made
1: <laughs> It is the greatest Star Trek Movie ever made.
2: <laughs> it's a really good Star Trek movie that has nothing to do with Star <laughs> Trek um, But The Thermians are a race of people who don't understand the concept of fiction. Mm -hmm. And so everything that they see on television that was beamed to them because that's how radio waves work, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, they were just like, man, Gilligan's Island is a tragic tale. I hope they got off the island at some point. (laughs) Like, and so they created the the Galaxy Quest spaceship with no understanding of, like, why the... why? Why is there a flamethrower <laughs> hallway in the middle of the ship that is between two essential systems? Mm-hmm. They're like, well, that's that's how it, that's how it's designed because that's how it was designed. And uh, the thermian argument is basically that any in-universe explanation is uh, functionally mute or functionally moot because somebody in our world right now still designed it that way. Right. So it's like. Yeah, there's an in-universe explanation for why uh, Quiet from Metal Gear Solid runs around with their tits hanging out. Mm -hmm. The reason that she's designed like that is because Hideo Kojima likes boobies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) The reason that, that, you know, it it makes sense that if Neo Japan was going to make a robot, they would make it a samurai. Because the samurai were a cool thing that japan did Mm -hmm. it makes sense that it doesn't make sense that a neo mexico would make a tequila gundam shaped like a cactus when they have all these perfectly good aztecs and incas to draw from Mm -hmm. like um like i know wikipedia didn't didn't exist back then and let's face it japan's understanding of what racism is is a little bit on the light side Mm -hmm. uh We only recently got them to stop drawing black people like Sambo. Yeah, sort of because globalization told them fucking stop (laughs) it. (laughs) Uh, But to the point, and again, essentialism is a function of racism, but it's not. It's not malicious, right? It's not hang them on a cross sort of racism. It's the kind of racism you get when you just. I hate to say don't know any better because that sounds really patronizing. Mm. But when you don't do the diligence, and when you're just concerned with making some an X of the week right. for your characters to come up against, and that's when it that's when it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Like if they went into this, like, hey, we're gonna make, uh, we're gonna make a new G Gundam mm-hmm so uh, join me on this thought experiment, shall we? We're gonna make a new G Gundam, and we're gonna make it as unoffensive as possible as possible mm-hmm. uh so our japanese hero, our stoic Japanese hero, is going to be riding in a samurai because that's cool and it's a good look right all all the gundams look like samurai anyway mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know pull a little bit from it uh what is the American one gonna be? Can we not do a cowboy? <laughs> but cowboys are kind of the kind of the essential again there's that word essential mm-hmm. uh cowboys are kind of like the essential american warrior failing that okay well let's do a neo north america then okay well like maybe we could make a cree warrior or a mohawk or, or you know something like that well what about neo-russia well that costs that bolt gundam's all right mm-hmm. uh he's a cossack and cossacks were badass mm-hmm. um well let's do uh let's do neo Mexico well, okay, instead of the tequila guntum uh-huh. let's make something that's not a fucking cactus <laughs> <laughs> so you know that that sort of thing it it's it's not lazy so much as it is uninformed mm-hmm. and not willing to become informed right that right. that is the problem. That you run into when some, some something is essentialist, right?
0: See, I don't disagree, but I think uh, for me, with that kind of argument, especially again to to harp on G Fighter, I th- right. I think it's okay when you watch something to not like something in it and to to be offended or disturbed by parts of it, mm-hmm. because when you think about, like, say, the G Fighter thing, the people who set up mm-hmm. the neo colonies were supposed to be douche nozzles. Like, right. they made that very, sure, and that and that's <laughs> why I say when they did these, like, really, really stereotypical takes on, like, each of the nations, I could kind of, I wouldn't say look away, like, so, some of it I, I didn't find really disturbing, some of it I thought was, oh my god, really,
1: you did that?
2: Yeah, the Windmill Gundam came to mind. Yeah, that was
0: like, you couldn't think of nothing... Well hold, well, hold on
1: a sec. I, if I may what? interrupt or something, you are you guys are also forgetting one other minor detail. This is not the first Gundam fight, okay? Right. Which means yeah. they've been having to crank out a Dutch Gundam <laughs> and try different variants of the Dutch Gundam for, what, 40 years or something like that? What what number of yeah, fight is... fights? Yeah,
2: 13 Gundam fights every four years, was yeah. it? Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Every couple... Every couple of years, they gotta crank out a new one. Exactly. Now, so they've gone through all they the different variations.
1: Make... What we're looking at is when they're scraping the bottom of the barrel.
2: <laughs> well, they they they've hit rock bottom. Apparently. Oh, that's not a surprise. Uh, have you seen
1: TV recently? <laughs> oh, <that's true. laughs> but Sorry. like,
2: even like, I guess here's the problem though. Like, yeah, no, they're all shitty rich kids floating up in space. But there's got to be a fucking good designer up there. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> there's got like. That argument holds water to an extent, but even, even the most shitheaded, like <laughs> you're telling me that the zebra Gundam looks like it does, even though Neo Kenya and oh God, I mean that, that, I mean, that's a whole kettle of fish right there, <laughs> right. but Neo Kenya has no business looking like a Zulu warrior. Mm-hmm. Unless it's all of Neo Africa up there, in which case, it you know the entire continent of Africa is up there mm-hmm. as Neo Kenya. Even then, that's that's fucking weird. We we should have talks. <laughs> uh, well, hold
1: on a sec there. Let's let's take a step back though. Okay, was it okay when so- when in Black Panther they did the exact same thing and everyone thought it was the greatest thing ever?
2: Yes, because that's fusion. That is. Okay, so now you have to look at who's doing it in general. Oh, okay. Suddenly, a bunch
1: of American black people who have never set foot in Africa and are as American as you are are suddenly able to talk about Africans, and that's okay?
2: Well, yes, because they got input from Africans and did the research and did the diligence to create a new. Afrofuturism, which is the official name for it. I know. Hmm. I know about um,
1: Afrofuturism. And yes... Yeah, I know. And I'm just throw no, that no, out there for the I know. Um, And yeah. But... <laughs> But so what? The Japanese, we for all we know, they spent time poring over books on Africa before they came up with the okay zebra Gundam or whatever the Zulu Gundam. I
2: mean the Z- the zebra Gundam mm-hmm. that looks like a Zulu warrior. Yeah, the zebra. PM, yeah, okay. I always is get that nowhere mixed near up. The other Yeah, two. whatever.
1: The point. The point is, you're still basically taking aspects of some other culture and you're going, okay, mm-hmm. what would uh, you know something that these people from this culture might think is cool look like? And that's what they've done, and they put it together. I'm not necessarily defending it, but I'm saying that we do it all the time. Uh, it all—it happens all the time. Is that right or wrong? Okay, that's a different argument as well.
2: Yeah, that. Well, that yeah, and I would argue that no, it's not. <laughs> oh, but, but wait—it's. But
1: you just said it's not. But Black Panther did it, and they it just—and it's yeah, the most but popular again, thing Black ever. Black Panther
2: did the research. Uh, it's, and I mean, like from what I understand about Japan's interactions with other countries, is that they. They get the idea in their head of what they want, what they think is important here. They they engage in essentialism because at the end of the day, they don't really care all that much. Uh, just as a general note, unless it's in vogue to care about a certain country or culture. Wow, you just uh, described
1: every country on the planet, dude. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so including, including ours, our, our mutual countries oh, no, yeah, and everything like that.
2: Like everybody does it, but you can do it better. Okay. So this
1: is really about whether they did it enough for your taste. It's not really about whether it was good or <laughs> bad. I mean, okay, tequila Gundam. Okay, you win, dude. Okay. <laughs> then I'm not going to going that. You cannot
2: come at me and say tequila Gundam was okay. But, but more to the point, it, it feels like they they did a bit of work and then they kind of ran out of steam part way through mm. and started getting ridiculous. Like the Zeus Gundam, the Viking Gundam that rides around in a long way. Yeah. You can just make a Thor Gundam, you know, that yeah. sort of thing you could make or, or just a Viking Gundam mm-hmm. that doesn't have to be in a, Neo Canada's big thing is that he's a lumberjack.
1: <laughs> well, he's a lumberjack like, and I'm okay with that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, but if you want a want a a powerful warrior to represent your country, what where do you go? Hockey player? Where, what do you think of hockey player. hockey player?
1: Yeah, that we would have gotten the hockey I gun there I mean, basically. That, that was the other option too.
2: Well, I was going to suggest like a Native American of some sort, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We, First Nations would be great. W- um, we we we, we do that.
0: We were waiting for a Mountie actually when we started. Uh, yeah, Mountie
2: Gundam. Yeah, <laughs> is, is what we were expecting. Mountie Gundam would be all right. Yeah, yeah Mountie, that was that's more like likely. Yes, your martial dude. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, and then you know, there's precedent for a uh, sports ball player. Mm-hmm. Uh, because look at the Maxter, yeah, you know, the hodgepodge of
1: a cowboy. <laughs> yeah, a cowboy football player Gundam. Yeah, that was boxer. Yeah, that was Co- pretty...
2: cowboy surfer football. Oh, player. Oh, yeah, the surfer. I forgot yeah. about that part. Yeah. <laughs> Which goes back to the yeah. whole. Remember, G
1: Fire is supposed to be ridiculous. Like yeah. it really is. I, it, there's no question. Mm-hmm. They're they're not trying to be serious in this light. It's ridiculous. It mm-hmm. is in all, right. in all aspects.
2: But I could make something that's ridiculous without being culturally insensitive too. Yeah. Cause, uh, like again, the, going the back to that whole part ridiculous. about the
1: Japanese not giving a crap about the rest yeah. of the planet.
2: <laughs> okay. Right. And I, again, they could. They could. Like, again. You, all you have to do is just be a little better, and if it's gonna be ridiculous, make it, make it so. I mean, basically, make it Gurren Lagann in, in, <laughs> instead of G Gundam. I would like, argue it want was to so that ridiculous, level, ridiculous that it was on that level. <laughs> yeah, like you need to you need to up the ridiculousness to a point where nobody like it takes such refuge in audacity that you can't reproach it because it's just. Silly.
1: <laughs> I again would say G Gundam was pretty heavy on the silly, because because I think I think I can split the difference.
0: Okay. About Thanks, why Solomon. why is the Zebra Gundam bad but Black Panther's cool? Mm. And this mm-hmm. this is how it works for me. It's because when you watch something like Black Panther, they do the same kind of thing. They take like entire cultures and they kind of mix them up and distillate them mm-hmm. into a very simplistic, recognizable form. But the thing is, it's a whole big story about these characters and their world and that. So there's more to it than just that. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you see something like the big Gundam Zulu warrior dude, that's kind of all it is. It's just that image. It doesn't do too much. And it really, like when I looked at it, I was like, oh God, really? Yeah. And now the thing is, I think it would have been possible that you could have fleshed that out. and We could have gotten this whole big deep backstory and stuff and Mm
3: -hmm. it would have
0: it would have made sense but they kind of didn't and that's why like i wouldn't necessarily call it flat out like offensive but again it is kind of cringeworthy and i think that's the Mm -hmm. diff yeah because we don't get that thing that fleshes out it's literally just a simplistic hodgepodge of of a bunch of different 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 like locations in in one embodiment whereas mm-hmm. again yeah like if you do a whole movie about that you can get more into it and that that was one of the things with a lot of like say uh, something like g fighter why a lot of it yeah there were cringeworthy things all over it mm-hmm. but there was plenty of stuff where they would do something like if you look at the main characters they weren't national stereotypes they were action robot stereotypes but they took that little bit of time to flesh them out. And even some of, like, the secondary guys, like the pilot of the tequila Gundam, even though his mech is, like, just a really, really blatant, stereotypical hodgepodge, he himself got a little bit of airtime and he got a little bit of depth. And that's why I say, well, okay, it's... it's.
2: Well, yeah, that's because it was his episode. Though. Yeah, but that's what I see. Like, who's the monster of the week still? It
0: was, but they they played it up that... Most of the guys in that, even the ones that were just outright villains, they still got a little bit of time. It wasn't like, even like, say the, uh, the first guy from Neo Italy, that's just like the gang leader dude. He still got a little bit of a story that he was just this stereotypical gang leader guy that happened to luck into a giant robot and he was taking advantage Mm -hmm. of it. And that's where I say, like, it doesn't have to be depth but they give you just enough that you can hang the idea on and go yeah okay cool that's why that happened that's who this guy is and that's why he does this and like i said I'm, I'm i'm fine with that it it's not as good as some other things it's definitely not as good as like the original like Gundam which is one of my all-time favorite shows
3: hmm.
0: but it's entertaining and i can kind of you know choke back the the bad parts for the sake of the stuff that made me laugh or that i thought was kind of amusing
2: it's yeah for me it's always it's always vote with your airtime or yeah vote with your wallet vote with your watching time yeah fair enough and like i could you know i could watch something else true and so i do
1: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely fair on both sides okay so actually let's move on since we don't want to run out of time and there's one big more big thing we need to get to which is okay yeah. so why haven't giant robot mecha anime cartoons why have they never truly taken off in north america
2: uh, I blame Power Rangers. Okay. Okay. And uh, and I mean, I'm speaking from the '90s generation onward. It's that um, between Transformers, which is a big mashup of all that, all that, you know, is it Di- Diaclones Dia clones and mm-hmm. whatever. Did, Man, uh, yeah. I uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know that much about Transformers and. Uh, I'm sure I'll. Whenever I finish history of Mecca, I'll go into history of Transformers and learn that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe that because, as I was saying before the show, uh, the reason that giant robots haven't caught on over here is because we already have like space armor. We are, we have fighter jets. We have that sort of thing. We have a long proud history of people getting into not mecca to fight in space mm-hmm. and uh we have superheroes who are you know we got iron man who wears an exoskeleton mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: and that's about it uh and then we have battletech which is extremely niche and very cool
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh but other than that the premier the two premier pieces of american Big air quotes here. Uh, American giant robot tech or shows mm-hmm. are Voltron, mm-hmm. which is which is not American. I mean, which, mm-hmm. which is which to this day, however, has not gotten a Japanese release in its own uh, original state, mm. uh, a DVD release in its original state, mm-hmm. because they don't give a fuck about it over <laughs> here or over there. Mm-hmm. We love it over here mm-hmm. because we you know picked it apart and we put it back together as its own thing. True. And uh, then we commissioned, like, 20 new episodes of that show. Mm -hmm. All of which look like crap. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Uh, Because they did it, you know, on a shoestring budget. Uh, And Power Rangers, which is also something that was pulled over from another... uh, From from Japan and turned into something different. Mm -hmm. We don't... We, uh, as Americans who have the greatest quote unquote military on the face of the earth. And I'm saying, I'm speaking as a United States citizen, not as a Canadian, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but we don't need giant robots because we're already the best at crushing people under our boot heels. Hmm. Uh, GI Joe could easily have been a Mecca show. Mm-hmm. If we'd have bothered, but buy all our playsets and toys, uh, put put GI Joe in a helicopter. That's more important. That's more interesting. Iron Man saves the world every you know every two weeks in his comic book, and he wears an exoskeleton mm-hmm. that is not much bigger than a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spider Man saves New York every week, and he just runs around in his underoos. Hmm. Uh, our heroes don't our our heroes don't need outside help for the most part. What makes them special is their intrinsic powers or the thing that they created themselves. Hmm. Uh, which is, I mean, that probably has a lot to say about, you know, the American psyche. Uh, but the reason that robots never caught on, I think, why do we need them? <laughs> we have we, why why do we need a giant robot when i've got batman and superman why why do i need a giant robot when i've got uh he says desperately looking around at his <laughs> walls for american material uh, <laughs> but more to like more seriously i don't need a giant robot you know what was really cool that guy from predator i'd like to be like him and i can do that because i don't have to create and design a giant robot to do it hmm. Um you know who is really cool uh you know John McClane, he's just a normal guy our our working class heroes uh dominate our our landscape as far as uh the american psyche goes when it comes to heroes and so when you get a military dude or i mean in the case of a real robot thing or just some punk kid in a giant robot, uh, well, we don't, we don't really take to it. Not for lack of trying. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys remember Shogun Warriors? Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, all cribbed from, all cribbed from great Japanese works. Mm-hmm. That was the '70s. That was like the time that Americans could have jumped on the giant robot thing, and we didn't. Yeah, because we had Flash Gordon and we had Buck Rogers, and we didn't need a giant robot. Mm. Sure, maybe we needed a rocket ship, maybe we needed an x wing. maybe we needed the enterprise itself, but we didn't need no stinking robots <laughs> Well, because we could well. just do because we could just roll up our sleeves, spit in our hands, and knock out the bad guy with our good old fashioned american fist hmm.
1: i I can see your perspective. I can definitely see that I, as as someone who is there, I can tell you that's not exactly true as for what for what happened that's fair what 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 happened again i was very young but i do kind of remember this um again this you're right about star wars everything you said is pretty much correct except for one minor detail which is it was simply cheaper to import japanese stuff than it was for americans to make their own (laughs) and that's really what it came down to the toys were japanese imports i mean they could get them super cheap from japan why bother to make their own and right. it wasn't until 1984 when Americans – I believe it was 84 – when Americans made uh, Mighty Orbots. That was basically – Yeah, even
2: that was a Japanese uh, joint production, wasn't it? It
1: was, but it was still written by Americans. It was still actually planned right. and written by Americans. They basically right. just had their Japanese partners animate it and do a few designs. But inherently, it's right. very it's an American production.
2: And Right, and that that came in the wake of, of Robotech and – yeah, and by then yeah, we'd already seen yeah.
1: Robotech. You're exactly right.
2: Actually, no, that's not quite
1: true. It's um, yeah, I think it's or, yeah, just no, before. Winter. It's just before Robotech. Yeah, it yeah, is. Because Robotech's say. like 86, I think. And our bots, I think 85. is 84. 85, there we go. Yeah. yeah,
3: it's all
2: behind.
1: So there we go. All before
2: my time. So, so <laughs> the,
1: again, uh, so the point is, is that yeah. no, Americans had their chance, but it was just cheaper... For kids who like the robot stuff, there it was, and you could just, you know, mm-hmm. it was cheaper to bring the Japanese stuff over, and it did have a huge flare up, especially in the early mid '80s, and it kind of died down in the late '80s. Yeah, it wasn't until uh, Power Rangers came around that kind of really reinvigorated the whole mecha thing in American stuff, and mm-hmm. that took its time. Um,
2: yeah, but and and the problem also with Power Rangers is that. That show was not really well written, and that show was very much aimed at little kids. It was so when you get, yeah, uh, so when you get people thinking about, oh man, you know it's cool, giant robots. Oh wait, those are for little kids. Mm. I want to talk it. I want to look at something. Mm. The the huge cultural barrier that is this is for children and this is for adults mm-hmm. that exists in Japan or in, in American media in Western media, I should right. say not to be is peculiar to say the least, but also, uh, hard to break free from. Yeah. But you know, even, uh, even in the sixties, they we were just importing Ultraman over Yeah. because why would we make our own thing? Well, that's exactly we right. Just have somebody else Exactly.
1: Um, and I will say one, just one other final thought as someone who, you know, it's fond of giant robot toys and things like that i can tell you that pretty much since the shogun warriors there has almost never been a year when you couldn't go to the boys toy section and it is the boys section sorry of uh yeah. you know of a department store and not find at least one uh, mecca toy of some kind sitting there whether it was a <laughs> japanese import again since the early 80s literally every year there's always a transformer there and there's, but there's oh, been yeah. other stuff there over the years. There were Robotech toys. There been BattleTech toys. There have been mm-hmm. Gobots, Exo Squad, and again another completely American-made mecha series that
2: was actually somewhat popular. That then proceeded to import mm. a whole bunch of robotech stuff for reasons i don't understand oh it was just a reboot uh, they, they could get them yeah. cheap yeah I think. it was a reprint yeah. basically they were just like hey we can still make money off of these toys exactly off of these peg warmers exactly
1: <laughs> and exo squad was popular i can tell you again as someone who was there it, you know it, it was reasonably yeah. popular it wasn't yeah. a massive yeah, i might be younger hit, than you but...
2: guys but i ain't that young i remember exo squad
1: <laughs> <laughs> right well exo squad would have been mid-90s if i remember right it came out I was born in 86 so yeah so you you would remember Exosquad the there we go yeah. um yeah. but no so Americans have done the mecha thing it's just it never quite sinks although there's a catch with Exosquad those things are just so freaking ugly i mean i never wanted a toy other oh, yeah, they're hideous
2: oh. like i want to collect those all them all at some point but they're ugly as sin yeah. um they're just not cool looking the, the other thing is when Americans design mecha i'm looking at you FASA Corporation yeah. um uh, <laughs> They're walking tanks. Yeah, they are. I don't want to pilot a walking tank. I want to pilot a Valkyrie. Yep. I want to pilot a Gundam. Yep. I want to pilot something that can do flips and shit. Yeah. I don't want to pilot a thing that you know, you know if if you shoot it in the leg actuators, it's going to trip and fall down face first and then I'm just going to get reamed by, you know, missiles coming up my tailpipe because now my rear armor's exposed. Oh shit. Yep. Okay. I think there's a catch. Fucking
0: battle actually. <laughs> I think there's a big catch to that, because I think, I think you guys are right that the giant robot thing doesn't quite register to the North American psyche, but because it's so cheap to bring over, every now and then we get a flare-up because they find something. And the biggest problem you get, because this is the Squad problem, anytime anybody in North America designs a mech, it's always the power loader from Aliens. Because, mm, and I, I think it's because that scene made a huge impact on people and what everybody forgets going to that idea that Mm -hmm. it becomes a trope and people don't remember why it works the way it does. The -hmm. power loader wasn't a war machine. It was a tool. It was a forklift. They only used it because they didn't have any other choice. Mm-hmm. And it's a really shitty design for a mech that we see again and again and again. Like Avatar, mm-hmm. there were power loaders. Because yeah. in, in real life, there's a reason we don't have a big giant window on the pilot of our
2: tank. <laughs> but in real life, there's a real reason that our troopers don't go around without proper protection in a hostile environment. Yeah. My god. God, that movie is bad. And we don't
0: make the infantry run behind the jet fighters either. It's really, really tough on them.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> they don't
0: like no, it. They get crabby. Then they cry. Yeah, but that and that's the problem. Like everything is is because the the front loader from Aliens made such an impact that yeah. n- whenever in North America we think of of like a robot or a mech or or power armor, that's what comes yeah. to mind.
2: But and I mean, even look at. Um... Uh, Megas XLR Mm -hmm. which is a loving nod to all (laughs) sorts of uh all sorts of anime mostly the stuff that came over to America specifically Mm -hmm. but my god that thing is a brick yep (laughs) Yep. there is there is no elegance to that machine yeah um yeah it's just yeah and it's a shame you know it's really funny that when you design, and I've I've dabbled in it because I like to get an animation studio off the ground because I re- regularly have insane pipe dreams. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I design I design Mecca all the time, and it's fun. And everybody's like, "Oh, cool anime Mac," and I'm like, "Well, okay." <laughs> <laughs> but like nobody, nobody says. Oh man, that's a cool American style mecha design. I can clearly see the, the Western influence on mm-hmm. it. Because there is none. <laughs> uh, but when they think of an American mech, they think robot jocks, yeah. if they're old enough, or they think Pacific Rim, mm-hmm. if they're me. Mm-hmm. Um and even then, you know, that's you know, Gypsy Danger has a top speed of about twenty-five <laughs> kilometers an hour. Yeah, right. <laughs> To be f- Okay, so to be fair, Canon God X-Axion moves at 250 kilometers an hour, but it goes thud, thud, <laughs> thud. Right. Because it's 140 stories. Right.
3: <laughs>
2: <sighs> name dropping, name dropping, name dropping, it's all I'm good for. And then okay. uh, Br-
0: bringing it back around nowadays, too, when people think powered armor, they think of Iron Man from the movies and Iron Man from the movies as a uh, night saber hard suit.
2: So, not his son designed the hard suits. He was definitely looking at Iron Man at the same time. I would, because Iron Man in the '80s looked like a hard suit, kinda.
0: Although it was still I mean, that he looked, magnetic cloth. He had,
2: he had gotten away from the. I mean, he he still looked like a man in, uh with body paint on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he had gotten away from the the Mark One big gray lumbering armor, <laughs> right? Um, and I know this because I have comic books from that era. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sonata Son is a good person to interview, incidentally. I got to do it at ASEN this year. Wow, congratulations. You that, yeah, That would be very cool. Uh, I mean, it was a press pool, but whatever. Mm. Uh, I was the only one there who had actual questions to ask the guy. <laughs> he, he and his uh, partners were very appreciative. Yeah, I I he, they were. Um, Nobody did, because yeah. he was kind of important. Kind of important? He yeah. created a lot of mm. stuff. I mean, he was he did a lot of behind-the-scenes work, but obviously Gunsmith Cats is huge yeah. still. Yeah.
1: Yeah, really? Gunsmith Cats is actually still huge. Gunsmith Cats was one of those things that just kind of was a blip during the nineties. Well, I mean,
2: it was it was huge, and people remember it fondly. I should. Well, say. yeah, I was
1: gonna say he doesn't. He hasn't really done anything significant since about two thousand.
2: Oh, Canon Godex Axion was the last thing he really did, oh, and then he was. That's true. And then he did more Gunsmith Cats, I think. Yeah, or I might be getting. But there was a Gunsmith... I might be Confusing publishing in a state's order with. Uh, confused with publishing in general, or we did uh, uh Gunsmith
1: uh, Cat's Burst from 2004 to 2008, following Canon Goddess Axion,
2: mm-hmm. uh Axion,
1: Ex- uh, yeah. whatever. And then he also did yeah. something called Bullet the Wizard from 2010 to 2013. Mm. I'm just looking at his uh, publishing record, and then since then, he's done pretty much
2: nothing, so, yeah. nothing of nothing listed anywhere. Well, I mean, he's working on Bean Bandit right now. Oh, he's working okay. on a new Bean Bandit
1: thing, okay, sure.
2: Well, yeah, he had a big Kickstarter and everything, that was why they brought him to uh, that was why they even brought him to ASEN this year oh, okay. or last. Yeah, this year, because he was like, hey, I have a Kickstarter up. I think it's funded. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, I got this great animator and I've got the guy who did um, uh, the music for Vampire Under D: Bloodlust mm-hmm. and we're going to make an anime. And I was just like, more power to you. Can't wait till it comes out. Yep. <laughs> huh.
1: Yeah, I had no idea, but I'm glad. No, I'm glad he's still in the game because yeah, he's like, got some good oh, ideas yeah. and his mm-hmm. stuff is fun.
2: Oh, um, when people think power armor, they think Space Marines now. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. Uh, There's some of yeah, that. Yeah,
2: I mean, definitely. I'm looking at looking at all my Warhammer figures <laughs> behind me. Uh, sitting right next to all my Gunpla, interestingly enough. Hmm. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, actually, there's something interesting. Did you like Gundam Build
2: Fighters? Uh, I have a review of it up on my channel. If you want to <laughs> check it out, but the short version is yes. The short, re- the slightly longer version is yes. <laughs> okay, there yes. we go. Um, yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I, I like Build Fighters. I like Build Fighters. Try. I like Build Divers well enough. I haven't finished. I didn't go back back to it because I can't do anime one week at a time i need to binge watch it or just i I,
1: I yeah i i adored build fighters i thought i enjoyed try, but yeah build divers no doesn't work for me um
2: yeah, yeah they're they keep trying to advance the the tech without advancing really in character and like i'm with you to a point but you did real good you you, you spurred out of the shoot and now you're just kind of Kind of toddling. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and of oh. course, the best part, and here's a total spoiler for everyone, is Build Fighters is in continuity with G-fight, with Gundam G-Fighter.
2: Oh, right, because <laughs> because Domon shows up at the exactly. end. Exactly, there and we by, go. He's, it's... By the same token, that means that Build Fighters is also in canon with UC Gundam, because all of the characters from UC Gundam show up in the first at the end of the first season at some point with no indication that they're cosplayers Hmm. or just a happy accident. It's also in canon because that's just fucking romboral. <laughs> well,
1: there, there's that, but there, okay, there, there's that too. But the Domon Cashew thing is definitely canon. The rest of it we can debate about, but no, that's definitely there's canon. Nothing
2: to debate. Lala Sun is standing there next to Char Aznable. Well, okay, those are like, cosplayers. Oh, no, go? come on, cosplayers.
1: No, they're not cosplayers.
2: <laughs> they are nowhere he near actually, anywhere that that should be a cosplayer. Whereas the
1: actual character goes to the goes back to the future to his master, and it's Doman Cashew. Totally. Little spoiler sure. but whatever <laughs> anyway so in so in the end that is so oh, i think we can all agree g fighter wins good night <laughs> folks
2: <laughs> i'm just gonna sit here and see on that comment
1: <laughs> don any final thoughts before we go i don't know i think we
0: kind of kind of jumped around a lot but hit a lot of like really really good points about uh why mechs work and when they don't and why they should and why they shouldn't well, uh, mm-hmm. there we go. I think it's funny that that Rob failed to mention possibly the greatest giant robot show ever that he tends to sneak oh, in. Boy.
2: You mean um, um... Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future? Nope. Ha, ha, ha.
1: No, actually, he's t- he's talking about Symbionic Titan.
3: Actually, oh. no,
1: no, I wasn't. I was talking about Go Wapper, but.
3: Oh, oh yeah, go
2: whopper really?
1: <laughs> he he oh, just like the name. Go whopper really?
2: No, he's no, because really? I, I sneak
1: it where yo <laughs> goddamn go whopper five. There we go. Yes, that's what he's expecting me to say. Yeah, go whop, go whop, go whopper. Goddamn, go whopper five.
2: Go-whopper. Get out of here. <laughs>
1: exactly. That is, that's true, Don. I forgot. What, no, it's not the best one ever, but it does have the best name. Goddamn, go whopper five. That's what the villains say every time.
2: <laughs> get out of here with that (laughs) next thing i was gonna make a joke about yataman but i actually like yataman so (laughs) never mind
1: (laughs) okay then and any final thoughts prof before we go
2: go watch my shows donate to my patreon so i can start yeah okay so so where can they find you shameless plug section uh yeah no uh i am professor otaku on twitter professor otaku on tumblr on Patreon also professor otaku i would like to continue to do history of mecha and uh gundam retrospective but patreon's down mm. uh lately and I w- it wouldn't be fair for me to just start working on that again for the people who didn't donate to it because all the people that got me this far so i'm kind of in a kind of in limbo there mm. um i just put a, a review out on air which is not the ps1 game Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh and you can find that on youtube at professor otaku d2 Mm i don't think there's a non i don't think there's any profs out there that's not me right but i you know i can't say for certain (laughs) uh and yeah that's that's me on there i have a discord it's all all this stuff is linked in the uh descriptions of my videos so come Mm -hmm. to my discord and chat with other mecha nerds and And we will link to that
1: in our show notes as well for Hmm. this episode for anyone who wants to come find it. Rad. Yep. Okay. (laughs) So thanks for coming on, Prof. We really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us and sharing your wisdom.
2: Happy to be here. I'll be around if you need me in my little corner where we keep all the real robots away from super robots.
1: Okay. Well, you can go play with your toys again now. Anyway. Yay. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And please tune in next time when we'll talk about something almost as cool as this. Okay. Maybe even cooler. We'll see what happens. Later. Bye. Later. <laughs> thanks for listening to the show.